Hey, business owners, need help taking payments online? Well, there's a whole world of transactions powered by Elevon. Whether it's through payment accepting, customer connecting, real-time reporting, round-the-clock supporting, fraud detecting or business protecting. <gasps> Elevon supports all payments for your business. To get started, visit elevon.ie. Elevon, your world of payments. Elevon Financial Services DAC trading as Elevon Merchant Services is regulated by the Central Bank of Ireland. The Big Tech Show brought to you by Elevon. Elevon makes payment taking simple, freeing you up to focus on your business. You take on the world, they'll take care of the payments. See elevon.ie for more. Welcome to The Big Tech Show with me, Adrian Weckler. This is a weekly podcast brought to you by independent.ie, so please hit subscribe on iTunes, SoundCloud, or whatever podcast network you use. You can also listen at independent.ie forward slash podcasts. Now, today we have a terrific show lined up with a really interesting guest, Ushin Hanrahan, who's the co-founder and chief executive of Handy.com, which raised $100 million, over $100 million in the US and is now the de facto place to go if you want to book a cleaner for your home. We're also going to look at the tech trends for next year, the best gadgets of this year, and a lot more besides. And speaking of gadgets, we have a competition for you. It's the Motorola Moto G5. Now, anyone who's been reading my stuff over the year will have seen that I called this the best budget phone, the best under 200 euro smartphone that you can get at the moment. And I didn't say that or write that with this competition in mind because I didn't know I'd be doing this podcast at the time. But uh, this is the best smartphone you can get for under 200 euro. It has a 13 megapixel camera, a really good five inch screen, a fingerprint scanner for security, which you don't often have, and a little metal around the sides, which is unusual uh, for a budget handset. Uh, to win this phone, all you have to do is email me at aweckler at independent.ie or tweet me at Adrian Weckler with the words, the big tech show. Uh, if you want, you could also leave a nice review for us uh, on SoundCloud or iTunes uh, or wherever you listen to your podcast, but you don't have to do that to win the mobile phone. So, Oshin Hanrahan, how are you? Wonderful. It's great to be here. How are you? I am absolutely brilliant. And You'll have to just bear with me because I'm going to give listeners an intro as to who you are. You're the co-founder of Handy.com, which has become essentially the default uh, online cleaning booking service in the U.S. Is Is that an accurate description? Best place to book cleaners, handymen, electricians, plumbers, online in the U.S. Okay. and U.K. and Canada. And this is what you did. And I'm good. This, this, is, this is your life intro, okay? I'm terrified. So you grew up in Dublin? Correct. You then went to college here. You then went to Budapest, where you spent a couple of years as a property developer for, with apartments. You then moved back to Dublin, became the co-founder with Paddy Cosgrave of My Candidate, a service that essentially morphed into a HR platform uh, mm-hmm. after, after time. And then, not content with that, you went to Harvard Business School, where you met your co-founder for Handy. You dropped out when you started getting offers of money uh, to fund it. Is that roughly correct? That sounds not inaccurate, yeah. Not inaccurate. Not inaccurate. Uh, so you've really run the gamut of businesses. You're only 34? 34, yeah. 34, and your handy.com has raised over $100 million. 
If we could have built a business twice as big by raising half as much money, that would have been a better outcome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe, yeah. <laughs> so um, where is the business at at the moment? Are you, are you going to save? Are you, for, for people like me who really uh, struggle to keep up with keeping my own house in order, are you going to make life easier for me ultimately? Always. So we started five and a half years ago to change how people buy services. So we started with cleaning services and handyman services, and that was the core of the business. And we thought, look, there's a real challenge. Everybody knows how hard it is to book a cleaner, to book a handyman. You go through this really cloaky, messy experience where I, don't, I'm like, I think of how many times you've tried to book a cleaner or a handyman. And you can't find someone, you look for a phone number, you go online, you start Googling a whole pile of stuff. And we wanted to make that experience really easy. And we didn't want to stop there. We actually wanted to go all the way through the experience, not just the finding and the booking, but the actual transaction itself. Because the person then shows up, sometimes they're late, sometimes they're on time, and then they'll only take cash, maybe. Mm. So we wanted to take the whole end-to-end experience and make it great. And we've been fortunate enough to build that out over the last few years in cleaning, in handyman. And now we're looking at going further than that. So we're looking at going into other categories. And like what? As as an incredibly technical person, I've no doubt your home is smart homed up to the max, is it? You know, we were just talking about this. I have a few of those Belkin Wemo plugs where you plug stuff in and you control a light or a telly or a radio from your phone. And um, we don't yet have an Amazon Alexa in, uh, uh, an Echo in, because Amazon isn't fully optimized in Ireland like it is in the States. But when you say smart home, what do you mean? All the gadgets, all the toys. So everything from cameras to thermostats to... So Nest and all that stuff. Oh, Nest cam, or drop cams, Nest cams, thermostats. So the Nest thermostat, the Philips lights, the Wemo locks, the August locks, the gate locks. All those toys, the Sonos speakers. Do you have those? The Amazon yeah, I have Alexas. a Sonos, um, but I only have one. Hmm. You're sort of ideally supposed to have two or three, aren't you, for your multi-room sound? You can have as many as you want. Okay. Once you get the Alexa, you can yell at the Alexa and mm-hmm. ask her to mess with the Sonos. Actually, want. on the Alexa and yelling at the Alexa, isn't there an ethics debate as to how you should talk to Alexa in front of children? I was reading about this Perhaps. where there's now a movement, a parental movement, where they don't want to give a bad example by just ordering Alexa to do stuff because kids are now growing up with this idea that when you want something, you just order it. You don't ask. Please. But then they feel silly if they if they say please and thank you. Interesting. So be polite to the robots because the children can't differentiate between the robots and the humans. Yeah. So there's a, uh, there was a, a person who worked at Handy and uh, they were telling this story once about how they came home to find their kids having deep and meaningful conversations with Alexa about the meaning of life. Mm -hmm. So, hey Alexa, where do children come from? Mm -hmm. Hey Alexa, where did I come from? (laughs) And uh, this person then, I don't know if you know this, with Alexa there's a log of everything you've ever said to Alexa. Uh So this person took out their phone looked at the Alexa log to find out that the kids had been having like extraordinary conversations over the previous two weeks since Alexa had come to the home that went into all sorts of details about things the kids should not be talking to Alexa yeah. about. So, um, But that's only going to Yeah, there's to, yeah. definitely a barrier there somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> there, but knows, anyway, you're saying that stops? You've, got, you've got ideas or plans around this smart home. Yeah. So look, we, we think about it as how can we help you with all the services you need in your home? And... In the beginning, it was all about just the core service itself. 
more and more the services need product. So the product component, by that I mean some of the hardware that we were talking about, or like as simple as saying, hey, I need to get my TV mounted on a wall. You need a TV, you need a TV mount, you need cables, you need all sorts of stuff. And what we're doing is figuring out where's the best place to provide that install experience. And in some cases, we've been partnering with retailers to do it online, offline. And in some cases, we've been selling it in store, selling the service where the product is sold in store. And a lot of that, I think, is coming coming back to Amazon has been driven by this push to convenience. So you think about where Amazon started. They started with selling, then it came with free returns, then it came with free two-day shipping. Sorry, free shipping. Then it moved to free two-day shipping, and in some cases, they've now gone to free install and same, assembly. Same day. In yeah. Some time. Do you get yeah. a sense that tech companies uh, in 2017 have kind of become that the, 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 the tone in discussing them has changed? There's they went from being the knights in shining armor to, you know, being suspicious, or in some cases, the bad guys. We're beating up on companies like I'm talking really about the titans here, like Facebook, etc. And you know, as a, a company operating in some of the same spaces, do you feel a change in tone yourself there? I think that we have a responsibility. When you get to some size and some scale, that responsibility continues to grow. Every individual has a responsibility to act in a way that's attempting to make things better. I think as we get to scale and we get to size, that responsibility doesn't shrink, it becomes bigger. And when you get to the size of a Facebook or an Uber or an Amazon, you have a lot more responsibility. Yeah. And I think that you know, even as we've grown, we've thought a lot about what's the responsibility that we have to our professionals? What's the responsibility that we have to our customers? We know we're not gonna make everything perfect all the time, but we have an incredibly high responsibility to make sure that we're delivering some value. So we think about the value that we bring to our pros, the you know tens of thousands of people that work on Handy that are doing cleaning work, handyman work, and we think about why they use the platform. We think about how we make sure that every day we got to communicate incredibly clearly with them. And at the same time, we've got to balance their needs with the needs of our customers. Um, so yeah, I think that the tone has changed, but I think it's a result of these companies becoming larger, becoming more influential, and their responsibility to society growing as their importance, whether it's through sheer numbers or just scale, um, or they're at these choke points in the economy. They, they're just more responsible for their actions. I mean, speaking of choke points, um, one of the narratives of 2017, probably moving into 2018, will be a focus on you know the quote-unquote the gig economy. Mm -hmm. And you've seen that, haven't you? You've seen some of those choke, po choke points there um, in, in Andy? Look, I, I think we probably misnamed the gig economy. There's so much stuff going on. We called it the on-demand economy. We called it the gig economy. We called it all these different things. What we built is an economy that's flexible. So one of the real values of technology in terms of organizing labor is we took away the central control and we gave people flexibility. So we gave you know, the pros that work on Handy the ability to work whenever they want. And that's an incredibly powerful thing. So they don't have to give us hours availability. They don't have to commit to certain shifts. They can work whenever they want. And for you know, typically the folks on Handy have other commitments, whether it's another job or they're taking care of family or they're taking care of parents or children. That flexibility is incredibly valuable. And I think that value 
we, we didn't figure out how to communicate that early on. But that's really what's going on in this part of the economy. We probably should have called it the flexible economy instead of the gig economy or the on Because the economy. pushback uh, against <clears throat> that is that the flexible economy or the on-demand or the gig economy loosens people's sense of security, you know, in their livelihoods and for, for that uh, of their families. And that if that system you know, takes root too firmly that it fundamentally alters people's um, sense of, of security, I suppose, in, in their own lives. Look, I, I think it's important to understand why people are doing this. Typically, they're not doing it as a full-time job. If this is a full-time job replacement, yeah, I agree, we're going to have a problem. If this becomes the way of work, and if this becomes the only way that people are going to find access to income, yeah, we're going to have a real problem. If this is incremental or supplemental income, or if this is a stopgap for when people are unemployed, it's a net positive to the economy. It's a net positive to society. It's a net positive to everyone. And the more we can dig in and make sure that that's the case, the better off everyone will be. So Handy's available in the U.S. Is it available outside the U.S.? U.S., U.K., and Canada. U.S., U.K., and Canada. So... You will have seen the recent um, European Court of Justice ruling on Uber, um, which essentially classifies it as a transportation or a taxi service, which means it can't really operate as a communication service uh, as it does in the U.S. And there's two very there's two competing uh, regulatory systems and uh, mindsets there, isn't there? Whereas in the U.S. Is, seems to be a friendlier place towards the flexible economy or, or the gig economy, where and in Europe it's just a little bit more, um, a little bit more rigid, maybe more static or progressive, depending on your point of view. Will that have implications for Handy if it wanted to expand in in the EU? So, if we if we go back to the the, the joke about the Jetsons, since. 1938, which is when the Fair Labor Standards Act um, in the U.S. came in in the U.S., the world has changed drastically. So we've built the Jetsons, or a version of it, where we can have whatever we want, whether it's I can work or I can buy pizza or I can book a car at the touch of a button. We've changed the reason for work to go from raw economics to raw economics with like some purpose behind it to economics with purpose with uh, a desire for flexibility and we're still stuck with labor law that's from 1938 so we're just in a very different place to when the law was created i think over the last few years we've moved more and more to understanding that this is an incredibly complicated problem. So trying to figure out labor law is a really, really tricky problem. And the more we can internalize that the solution is not an extreme and simple solution, because most complicated problems don't need extreme simple solutions, although they might make great sound bites, they don't actually solve it. What they need is like a moderate and nuanced solution. If you dig into the, the, the classification, even within that, there's like three different regimes or three different classifications. Firstly, there's the taxi, uh, which is the transport regulation. Secondly, there's the labor classification, which is a whole other classification system. And then thirdly, there's the tax classification. So for tax reasons, for labor reasons, and for taxi or transportation reasons. And all three of them are 
different and say different things. So I, I don't think this particular uh, transportation ruling will be like have an impact on Handy, but there's definitely a question. And we've been leaning in and we've been very forward. We've proposed a portable benefit system in the UK, or sorry, in the US. We proposed legislation that would actually bring it to life in New York. Just um, could you explain that, what that portable benefit system is? Sure. So unlike, um, unlike in the UK or in Ireland, uh, in the US, healthcare is typically uh, not available to everybody just as, as part of the, the, the health service or the NHS. Um, <clears throat> and as a result, what we proposed was a benefit scheme that we would make a contribution into, the individual would make a contribution into, and it would essentially be an account that they could use to buy healthcare, to buy retirement funds or funding, to buy uh, whatever it was that they wanted to buy. And it would be linked to the individual, not to the employee, sorry, not to the employer. So in the US, because healthcare is not available, your healthcare is typically tied to your employer. So my healthcare is tied to Handy. We, what we wanted to do in this flexible economy is create an account that that individual would have that would not be tied to Handy if they went off to do whatever else they wanted to go do they could use it to buy whatever social services they needed. And if you think about, again, go, going back to why people are using this part of the economy, they may already have a job, that they may have healthcare through that job. So us paying for healthcare in a mandatory way doesn't actually benefit them at all. But they may want to use that money for retirement savings. They may want to put it into a 401k, which is like a US retirement account. And that would make a ton more sense for each individual. So it's to empower the individual themselves to be decoupled from the employer and actually be able to buy their own social services. Okay. And we volunteered to put a, a contribution into, which Handy would fund, and then the individual could match it or put more in on top, which would create a tax-efficient way for them to buy services. Okay. Yeah, because what we hear on this side of the Atlantic about the U.S. health system is that there was some progress on it, but maybe it's starting to roll back now. Mm. Is, that, is that roughly... I think You're the US healthcare system is incredibly complicated when right. you get into private versus public. There, the ACA has obviously extended the reach of healthcare in the US, which is a positive. Uh, there's obviously debate about how efficient it's been in that, and healthcare premiums continue to rise faster than inflation, which is obviously not a good sign. So there, there's two sides to it. Yes, reach is going up, which is great. Coverage is going up, but costs are rising faster than you would expect. So that's probably, probably indicates there's some inefficiency there somewhere or supplies not meeting demand. I wanna ask you about uh, the company itself. So you've raised over $100 million. Um, is that the end of it or will you continue to raise more money? <laughs> so we, we've, we've built the company to a place where it's profitable. We don't need to raise more capital. Um, it's obviously growing incredibly strong or the growth is incredibly strong, both in the core cleaning and handyman business and now in this B2B2C. And as we add in more verticals, uh, we expect to continue to see that growth. So we're not in the market raising. We don't need to raise more capital. Um, so we, we, we don't plan to anytime soon. And other territories outside the US, UK, Canada? Yeah, I mean, the way we look at it is there's four, there's four ways to grow, right? The first one's the really boring one, which is do more of what you already do, which isn't that exciting. Um, the second one is you add more verticals. So whether it's smart home or whether it's other categories, the third one is um, to grow new geographies. And I think we're growing within the US right now. And then the fourth one is more channel partners. So more retailers, different channels. And 
we're probably going to push out the geographic expansion a little bit uh, and focus on the others. Do you have moti- those motivational posters all over your office? Do we have motivational posters? We have values all over our office. Yeah, is that because you walk around, say, Facebook's office, for example, either mm-hmm. here in Dublin or in Menlo Park, and it's full of these inspirational quotes and these uh, uh, motivational, um, uh, I don't know what you call them, epigrams that are supposed to sort of push you on. I mean, are people... In are, you, are you looking for budget for the Indo to give, no. to give you to put up these posts? Oh, I want to know what makes you tick, Oshin. Um, <laughs> I mean, do you have, uh, do you call your colleagues something like handiers or something? We, we don't call them you handiers. Don't. It's okay. probably for the best we don't call them handiers. Because um, so we, 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 a lot of companies do, you know? So we, we did a deep body of work about two years ago, two, or more than that now, three years ago, to really understand what the hell it meant to work at Handy. And we produced a values deck, which was, uh, it really came up with our eight values and outlined them over about 100 slides. And it's, we published it online, actually. It's been viewed hundreds of thousands of times. Um, and I think what we've done is we've taken those values and we try and bring those to life. So whether it's growth always, whether it's today, not tomorrow, which is like one of our more, prominent values like when we do ratings and we like look at how we're performing today not tomorrow is probably the value that comes to life the most at handy and i guess just to explain it um it's the idea that we we don't know what the right answer is and we don't think that by planning or by spending a lot of time hypothesizing we'll figure out the answer we think we'll learn the answer by experimentation a lot of people look at value statements from companies and they think they raise their throw their eyes to heaven and go, oh, here yeah, we too. go again. Here we go again. Um, I remember talking to uh, a guy called Owen McCabe, who, one of the co-founders of Intercom, and because they call their uh, colleagues, I think, Intercomrades, I think is their term, and they have a few of the, those terms. That's good, you see. That's better uh, than handiers. And I remember, well, yeah, there's another hand, hand, hand. Um, uh, there, there's another term I could think of I'm not going to use, but... Um, Probably for the best. Yeah. Um, but I remember putting it to him in a, in a devil's advocate way that this was kind of corny and cheesy. Yeah, it is. Um, but that doesn't mean it's bad. Well, so that was his point. So, uh, so it, his point was that look, it may seem cheesy to do these things and to have these little parties and to have these like dress a certain color day and to have these things on the wall. But what you have to understand is that in in, in the company here, people are working very intensely together, often for long periods of time, and they do actually they take an uncynical view of it and they latch on to these things as uh, as as comradeship. I mean, is is that? what yeah. it translates to corny and cheesy isn't bad it's good i love christmas i love christmas music i know it's corny i know it's cheesy yeah i still love it every year yeah and we've built up like the the today not tomorrow handy there's a flag we have a flag that gets passed from one person to the next person at every all hands to the individual who's demonstrated the most today not tomorrowness i mean how is it i'm sorry i'm sorry how is it possible <laughs> to actually transfer that flag Without someone in the back folding their arms, kind of, kind of sniggering, or, or maybe, am I thinking about this the wrong way? I'm thinking about this from a cynical journalist's point of view. Is, is that what's happening here? But wait, how many of them need to snigger for it to like not work? Yeah, I mean, I, yeah, absolutely. I, I get that point. So what you're saying is it does work. Is that is that the point? Absolutely, it okay. works. We do an annual event called Camp Handy every year, where we take the whole company off to a campsite for like 
two nights, three days, two nights, and we do a bunch of events similar to what uh, Owen was talking about, where you have color wars, you have like sporting events, you have all these things that go on for three days to help people like, get out of the office, to get away from all of the things that have gone wrong, all the tough stuff that like didn't work out, the teams that like worked on projects that worked, celebrate those, teams that worked on projects that didn't work to like put it to bed and be like, okay, cool, that didn't work, like we can move on from it. And yeah, of course, in any organization, in any group of people, you're gonna have folks that are on one end of the bell curve who are excited and like enthusiastic. You're gonna have a vast majority in the middle that are like, meh, they'll just kind of go whatever way, you know, the, the, whatever way they think everyone else is gonna go, they'll go that direction. And then you're gonna have folks in the left tail of the bell curve who are gonna be cynical, who are just gonna be like, all right, well, like, what what are we doing this stupid game for? And I guess it's the it's the old uh, the old saying, you can't make all the people happy. So. I get it. You're not going to be the happy one. That's totally fine. No, I listen. I'm neutral. I'm a journalist. I don't have an opinion, of course. I'm just I'm not asking the questions. How many people? I don't believe that. I believe you're the cynic in the back row, not just rolling his eyes up, but sending a text tweeting. to his three buddies, yeah. going like, "Can't believe we're doing this." Um, how many people does Handy employ now? Uh, we have eighty people at HQ. Eighty people, and how many professionals? How many cleaners? Ten, and tens of thousands of people. Tens of thousands. Yeah. And then we've got. Um, we get some folks down in Florida as well in a contact center and some more folks in the Philippines in a customer service center. Okay. Um, now, I want to talk a little bit about uh, future trends and things that you might interest. You're very interested in cryptocurrencies, aren't you? No. <laughs> you told me on the way in you were. Um, so you don't, you don't, you, oh, can you pay for Handy in Bitcoin? Uh, you cannot. Service? Do you, you think we should? Pay? Well, if the market and the headlines are to be believed, it's the coming thing, right, Bitcoin? Cryptocurrencies, mm. it's a thing. I don't right? necessarily believe in it. I think that there are a lot of people buying it who don't know what it is and may uh, have a rude awakening in in uh, a few months' time. You but mean like the Irish property market? Well, it could crash quicker than the Irish property market, but I don't think that the rude <laughs> awakening that people are going to get with Bitcoin is because the value is going to go down. Because I actually think. And there's a real health warning in saying this. I actually think the value is going to continue to rise for, for Bitcoin. Do you need to do a disclosure now to say you own like 100 Bitcoin? I own no Bitcoin. I own no cryptocurrency. Uh, the only profit I make out of it is if something terrible happens to it. So it's because that gives me something to talk about. or to, Terrible to or amazing? Right? No, terrible. Because if it crashes, you uh, there's a lot more media... Um, interest in that than if it just doubles again in size because it's been doubling in size for the last sort of weeks and months you're no longer excited by that it's not news anymore. no no longer you excited need the by other that. side of that graph where it like well i don't need cliff. it as i said i'm a neutral professional so yeah. I, I don't but need it but it, it makes you it. happy if it does no it doesn't make me happy either it makes me interested <laughs> makes me curious um however i do think it'll keep rising but i don't think people should buy it because i think um, there are so many people who have bought it who have lost the password on the PC. I'm dead serious. I'm dead serious. There's a podcast, uh, another podcast, uh, a guy called Leo Laporte, and he was talking about this recently. He said that uh, he bought five or six Bitcoins for, I don't know, maybe $5 six or seven years ago, and he still has the PC, but he can't remember the password. Hmm. It's worth $100,000. I read about the uh, the guy who mined them on his hard drive had yep. like a few thousand of them, mm -hmm. 
and he took apart the computer, mm -hmm. trashed all the computer, like recycled it, mm -hmm. and eventually one day he was like, oh, I guess I don't really need this hard drive anymore. He tossed the hard drive and mm -hmm. it had a few thousand Bitcoin on it, now worth 20 million or ton a of ton money. of money. Yeah, I called the dump. Uh, isn't that, that's absolutely, so there's, isn't there this so wait, what, what, what does that mean? Why, why is that a reason? <laughs> why is that a reason not to buy Bitcoin? Is that not a reason well, to be because, more on top of your, oh, because, of your personal stuff? Because it's easier to lose and it's easier for something to go wrong. I mean, uh, we, we saw there's a couple of stories. I think it was a, a Korean exchange, Bitcoin exchange called Ubit which has just folded because it's the second time it's been hacked in the last 12 months. They lost about a quarter of their Bitcoin, Bitcoin um, holdings there. And, um, and there are people coming up to me on the, uh, who I would know casually saying, do you think I should buy Bitcoin or what price do you think I should get it? I mean, you know, Bitcoin was invented as something to be traded, right? Not, not something to be held as an asset like gold. That's why I asked, would you accept it in handy? So we have no plans to accept Bitcoin today. Um, I think there's, look, I, I think there's two, there's two sides to it, right? You've got the, let's go with the, the bear case to start with. There's no underlying demand for this currency. So unlike gold where 10 or 15% of it is actually used for industrial or medical purposes, and then you've got another half of gold that's mined is actually used for jewelry or like some form of, um, uh, some form of decoration. And then a third of it is investment. With take the US dollar or take the euro, at the end of the year, you got to convert whatever your assets are back into euro or dollars to pay the tax man. So there is underlying real demand, even if you change a bunch of other stuff for those two assets. There's no underlying demand for Bitcoin. Well, unless you inject other people's PCs at ransomware. <laughs> unless you, so crime. That's a crime. very good, yeah. that's a very good, incredible, uh, uh, demand case like crime in general so whether it's drugs like any sort of crime um, is a good a good argument for why there will be underlying demand because it's the easiest way right now to move value around the world I mean I do know some people uh, both here in Dublin and abroad who genuinely believe in Bitcoin as a thing itself because they're disillusioned with the existing financial system they look at potential chaos as they see it coming down the line any mm -hmm. T time there's a hiccup in the Middle East, um, they're looking at Brexit, they look even with uh, uh, the election of, of, of uh, US President Trump and they think mm, this might be this might be a kind of a decent bet in the medium term, you know? Yeah, I, I mean, if you go, so that's the bear case, if you go to the bull case, it's, there's only 21 million of these things. And there are, there's no other asset that has transparent visibility on how many there are and no ability to go further. The U.S. Mint can always print more dollars. Like the Federal Reserve can just throw those things off. We've, we've seen them do it over the last decade. Yep. They're really good at it. Yeah. Same with the European Central Bank. There is a very easy way to increase the vol volume of dollars. Similarly with gold. Yes, there's some finite amount on the planet. We really don't know how much that is because it's impossible to tell. It's not transparent. And at any moment in time, if the price of gold triples, it is really possible for us to go and invest more in mining and actually get more of it out of the ground faster. So you can... Flood the, or flood the supply. Um, and it's not like that with Bitcoin. However, there is the ability to create 15 more currencies, and we're seeing that over the last few days where we're seeing not just the plethora of currencies on coin market, but 
actually within Coinbase, we're seeing them add more currencies. So we're seeing them add Litecoin, we're seeing them add Bitcoin Cash. Um, and I think Ethereum. that is making it, well, they've had Ether for a while. For a while. Um, but that is making it more obvious to people that it is not just one currency that's like taking over, that there are multiple currencies available to people. And I think accessibility is the driver. It's like that, um, I forget the, what, what's the the guy that came up with the, um, the the argument that the value of something is the function or is a function of how many people are in the network? That's way too intelligent uh, for me. Oh, come on. I don't uh, know. Anyway, basically Coinbase obviously is extending the reach of all these other currencies and their value is exploding. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I think you The other thing I'm not comfortable with the Bitcoin, A, as something that's semi-controlled by the Winklevoss twins, right? Apparently they have over a billion you, dollars. Because you can't of... tell them apart? <laughs> Yeah. Or because the social network made them look like bad guys? Well, if I buy some from one guy, how do I know he's not going to turn and say, well, I wasn't there. It was was my brother. And the other, the other, that's a good reason. Yeah. An unidentified person or set of people, Satoshi Nakamoto, Mm. who may or may not be alive, who may or may not be one person or several people, who are estimated to hold anywhere up to a quarter or a third of all of, of Bitcoin. Um, what if they decide to to cash in in the morning? That's a disaster. And then there's the whole Chinese element. So um, how do you mine Bitcoin now? Well, the only way really is if you've got cheaper free electricity. Mm-hmm. So that's probably going to be somewhere where you can get for your cheaper electricity. So that's not the US or Ireland. That's probably going to be China or somewhere else where the government essentially lets you do that. Like the Middle East. Or the Middle East. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and so that's essentially uh, a currency that's increasingly controlled or held by by those governments so for all of those reasons you mean folks just, you mean just like the u.s dollar well with the u.s i can the choose. largest holder of u.s debt being China. yeah but <laughs> i mean i can choose not to deal much with the u.s dollar living here true um the Euro, i don't i don't get that choice. no you don't you i don't. could emigrate again well this is but why i kind of like new york <laughs> my wife's very happy there i'm happy there it's a good time where do you live in new york I live in Gramercy, so right in the middle of the city. And okay. then our office is on 23rd and 5th, so I have a 15-minute walk to work. It's great when it rains. It's wonderful. You're kind of in some ways you're kind of living the uh, American dream. I do have to tell you, this is the ninth time I've told you this. Um, you have got the twang. You definitely have the U.S. Have, twang there. Yeah. Um, if, I drink, I, if I drink enough, it, it, it'll disappear. But I can see why, because it's, it's a communication issue, isn't it, when you're talking, when you're discussing... You mean people won't understand what the hell I'm saying? Yes. Yeah, I don't don't know. It just happens. Right, right. Um, Let me ask you about... Well, let me just pause for one second and remind people of our competition, which is for a Motorola Moto G5 phone, which is, in my view, the best unlocked budget smartphone you can buy uh, in Ireland. Costs €199. You can get it in Argos, but you can also get it from... Virgin has a 13 megapixel camera, five inch screen and a fingerprint scanner. And to, to win this phone, for the chance of winning this phone, just email me at aweckler at independent.ie or tweet me at Adrian Weckler with the words, the big tech show. And I will be announcing the winner of that at sometime in uh, January. Um, before I let you go, uh, Oshin, I wanna ask your view on a couple of things. Um, Robots and AI. Are you using any AI robots in handy? Robots. Yeah. Robots and AI. Yeah. 
So we um, we early on figured out that we could help people solve their customer service tickets, firstly by giving them the tools themselves to resolve their issue, but secondly by trying to look through what the inbound tickets were and figuring out based on the leaf they submitted in uh, what we needed to respond with. Um, so we've been doing that pretty early on. I definitely don't think it's in the category of AI. I think we're using the words robots and AI far too loosely these days. Mm. Um, but I think it's significant. I think there's a lot of places where it truly is, uh, it truly is game changing. Are, are you worried the robots are going to well, take, I was over, gonna take ask. over your job? <laughs> well, they already because if have. robots want my job, I'm fine with it. <laughs> They've started. So Bloomberg has uh, an AI program which has started to uh, file uh, financial news reports. It just it reaches into earnings reports and then. Puts together a couple Isn't of Isn't that what the entire Motley Fool has done for years, where they just like scraped stuff and somehow turned it into an SEO machine? Well, I mean, so, um, but the difference with Bloomberg is that people pay a fortune for the Bloomberg terminals. Uh, so there's a much more um, elastic demand curve there. If people were still going to fork out their 1500 euro for the terminal or two grand for the terminal for AI reports, then that is a harbinger force. But what do you think of the Elon Musk, Stephen Hawking line of thought that we're, by, in AI, we're letting the genie out of the box and that in five to 10 years, we could actually become enslaved by our, our own creations? I think we're slaves to the cats already. Mm -hmm. The cats have domesticated us. That's why we take care of them. Um, I, look, I, I think that there's a very, very, very obvious way that machine learning and AI is going to make our lives better. And I think some of that comes back or comes down to the day-to-day -day tasks like uh, driving, uh, routine healthcare, routine tasks that like, I think we can automate. And I think that's great. I think there's going to be some line somewhere where we're going, whether it's journalism or, or other things, where we're going to say, actually, we don't really want robots to do that. We don't really want to pass responsibility for that to the machine. And to some degree, I think the most sensitive topics, the most sensitive areas for that, we're already seeing it. So we look back on the last election and we think about politics and we think about the roles that um, the role that Facebook played and we think about the roles the algorithms have played in serving up content. I think that's probably the front line for where we're going to have the debate on what we should and shouldn't be doing with uh, should and shouldn't be doing with robots and technology. Do you do you think that Facebook uh, were beating up on Facebook too much? I ask this because I I sometimes wonder that being in the media and mm. in the media we are the ones beating up on Facebook most, and sometimes I do think that maybe that's not unconnected with the fact that Facebook, along with Google, are our biggest competitors now for advertising in income, and they're actually wiping the floor with us. And I do think that might add an edge or animos animosity uh, to what may have just been professional inquiry uh, before. But and it's going back to this issue of whether tech companies are now being treated in a different way. Do, do you think we're giving them too hard a time? I think we have a responsibility. I think tech companies have a lot of influence, and I think we need to act in a responsible way. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And if 
AI or robots ever do come to a point where they're doing 50, 60, 80% of all the work that we do now, do you subscribe to this idea of, you've seen this idea of a universal basic income? You've heard about that argument? Yep, I've seen that argument. Um, I think it's not an ideal place to end up. Um, I know that I have Y Combinator is doing some tests right now. There's a number of other groups that are doing tests on this. Um, I think it's not an ideal place to end up. I would hold some hope that by freeing up time, we will create more work. So there's so much of you know what we're doing today, tasks and things that we didn't do before. So whether you look at, you know, even take the, the Facebook example, we consume so much content that creates work right now. So obviously the content that we're consuming on Facebook, yes, some of it's user generated, but a lot of it's not. A lot of it's professionally produced content that needs to be created by someone. Um, at least today it needs to be created by someone. And I think that by freeing up time, we're gonna create more time that will be used and hopefully there's a multiplier effect where that creates jobs mm -hmm. two last questions number one do you subscribe to anything like do you do you take any newsletters or paywalled services or anything like oh that? yeah loads okay. of them. what are what are some good ones uh i pay what do i pay for uh the economist the journal the information that's the wall street journal yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, the you pay for the information. That's Jessica Lesson's service. Yeah. Do you like that? Do you get get value out of that? I do. Okay. Yeah. What do you like about that? What do I like about the information? I feel like I'm plugging the information. In. No, I because I should subscribed get, to it we, recently. Should we get a coupon code from them and get? No, I, I subscribed <laughs> to them recently, and it's expensive. Like it's thirty or forty euro. Uh, it's relatively expensive by other tech subscriptions, and I'm not sure if I'm getting value out of it. But I'm still I'm still subscribed, so I'm still open to to being persuaded on it. Yeah, I mean, I, I think about it as, I mean, I think about it as what it is. It's an industry publication right. for technology. So if you're deep in that world, I think it provides insightful comment that is well-researched. It's the closest, I would say, we get to long-form coverage of private technology companies. That's really interesting. Do you think we're missing that? Do you think, would you like to see more of that? I mean, I'd like to see more long-form coverage in general. Um, okay. I think that we have boiled everything down to extreme, simple sound bites as opposed to the reality, which is everything is any, anything anything important yeah. is complicated and nuanced. Mm. Um, but nobody wants to write that. Certainly, Facebook or whoever mm. else, wherever else you share mm. content doesn't generate the clicks. Maybe that's why publications like The Atlantic or Slate, or why they do well? Yeah, perhaps. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, there's a bunch of others that I would like subscribe to. Why should I should I give more money to the media? No, I'm just <laughs> I'm just curious because uh, one of the recurring themes so far on this show has been the intersection of tech and media and whether the media can survive in its current form and I think a lot of people are interested in, in in that. We've talked a couple of times about the Patreon system, for example, mm. uh, this subscription system. There's um, uh, uh, a company here called Second Captains. They were the sports guys that used to be on News Talk with Off the Ball. Off the Ball split into two teams. And this um, uh, this crowd with Owen McDevitt and Ken Early, they formed their own company and they now have 9,000 Patreon subscribers at a fiver a month and they run events as well. 
who are among five of them. So you know, that's it's really interesting uh, yeah. for, for 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 us in the media. Um, and the last question I have for you is, what do you think was the best gadget of the year? Could be a phone, could be a drone, could be something you use in your car, could be something that uh, some sort of ordering service, and you're not allowed to say handy.com. I, what did I gadget up this year? Do I only get one? No, you can, no, you can have oh, two I or three. I can gadget up as much as I want. So I'm really enjoying the uh, Apple Pencil. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. You are one of the first people I've talked to who's, who, who has enthusiastically said it in that way. Okay. Huh. Okay, tell me why. I went back this year after not playing a musical instrument for 15 more now, maybe 17 years. I went back and started to try and learn the piano again. And I am loving the Apple Pencil. So got a little app. I think it's four score, I think is the app. And download the music, have it there. I can cheat and write all over it, the notes, the fingers, how to play the piano. So yeah, loving it. Huh. I'm also loving the new iPhone. Um, yeah. Face the, things. The maybe. 10? Yeah. yeah, the iPhone 10 or the X as yeah, whatever. The bloggers call it. The new, the new iPhone, the glass The new one. one. The new one. Though yeah. I will say it's the slippiest phone in history. You don't put a cover on the back of it? I haven't put a cover on the back of it. Well, how can you charge it on the chargey thing? Oh, it'll charge, through the, it'll, it'll charge through the case, huh. yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, mine, I think, is a death wish. So when I put it even on the charge pad, it slips off the charge pad. One of the big problems with the iPhone ten, and I have one, and it's an amazing phone. It's the best phone of the year, I, no, no question, is that it's absolutely beautiful without a cover. And the minute you put a cover on it, it still looks nice from the front, but it kind of could be any other phone. Um, except for that vertical camera alignment, mm. which yep. tech nerds kind of uh, would like to think signals to other tech nerds that they have an iPhone 10, but I don't know. I think that's a little bit that's oh, a that's bit too like, far. That's like branding. It's like you're branding yourself. Yeah, it's like the early days of Apple, when the initial days of the Apple iPod, and they were the only devices that had the white, white yeah, e- yeah, earphones, yeah. and huh. kind of people could tell that someone had an iPhone if they were walking or an iPod with white uh, earphones. But that that's absolutely the best phone of the year. And actually, people are very suspicious of the Face ID. They, they think that it's not going to work or... Oh, it's amazing. It works so it's easy. It's better than the touch thing. It really and it's is. so fast. It's so quick. It's so good. Yeah, I love that. I think Apple are going to roll that out to the not only the other iPhones. I think they're going to roll it out to the iPad and... Oh, I expect. And I, well. I think they'll put it in the top of the, um, the, the Macs as well. Yeah. Why wouldn't they? Why wouldn't they? Why wouldn't they? Yeah, yeah, it's great. And then what else? Oh, I love the speakers. I love the Sonos speakers this year. Oh, yeah? I love those things too. Yeah. Mm. Um, AirPods were like a bit of a bust. Not great. Okay. Like, I like the they're AirPods. They're okay, but they're like, meh, whatever. Yeah. And you you have a, an Apple Watch. You're, I do. You're all Appled up. Uh, yeah, I oh, went, you have the LTE version. I went Mac mad, yeah. You've got the Series 3, the Series 3 watch with the LTE. And the reason I know that because it has that little red dot yeah, I wish it on didn't. the side. I wish it didn't have But that. now you do know that you can't use that in Ireland. Correct. Because yeah. it, there's no roaming. Correct. How there's do you know no, this? Because I'm the tech like editor. Tech, yeah, I know because I, I call them and ask them to do it, but they wouldn't do it. No, no. Yeah, I use it for running. It's great. So you just leave the phone at home. Leave the phone, go for a run, does the whole tracking thing. I use RunKeeper, tells me how far I've run, tells me that I'm lazy, tells me I need to run more. Do you use the AirPods with it? No, I don't listen to music. You don't listen to music. No, I have like a simple like running thing. For the first third of my run, 
uh, all that's going on is like work thoughts in my head and like everyone just like mm-hmm. yelling at me in my head. For the middle third, I have absolute bliss and it's like quiet and silent and like actual clarity. And then the last third is just like near heart attack death where all I can do is like keep breathing and keep moving and hope that I'm not going to have to like press the emergency button and call 911. Mm-hmm. And still I don't run that fast. Right. <laughs> they do say you shouldn't be running much after 30 not good really? for your yeah, not good for your knees. Huh? Anyway, that's a different discuss. That's a different podcast. Huh. Um, listen, Ocean. Hey, you could have given me some good news, to <laughs> Give uh, me something. Well, um, so, here, here's a good tip. Yeah. Uh, do you do you are are you a member of a gym? No. No. I run okay. outside. Well, here's a here's a really good tip. If you want to build up, I don't know why we're even getting into this, but if you want to build up. Um, uh, if you want to regain some shape, right? Not you. I'm mm. not saying you one, regain if some one shape. If one to. wants to regain some shape. Um, push-ups. Push-ups, yeah. So I've started doing push-ups. I do them. Oh, do you? Okay. Yeah. Do you okay. have the app, the 100 push-ups No, app? I don't have an app. I just get down and do them. How many do you do? I do 100 a day now. Legit. I do 50 in the morning, 50 in the evening. Two reps of 50. Uh, so actually, it's four reps. It's 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 a rep at twenty five. It's two reps at twenty five in the morning. Two reps at twenty five in the evening. So if you want to get that up, you should get the hundred push ups app. It'll like push you to do. You tell it what you're doing now, and it'll convince you to do one or two more every day. I can't let an app tell me what to do though. Here I have another one for you. What? Uh, which I, I've done in my office, mm-hmm. which I find is both uh, good for meetings, but also it just like forces you to better posture. Mm-hmm. I took the arms and and back off my chair. So we have those rolly chairs with oh, yeah. arms and back. So, so now you're I forcing just, yourself. Now I just have a stool. Up. Yeah, that's all I have. I have the, like one of these soft. St- I mean, it's effectively a soft stool. I have it at my own desk, and I have it in like the main. Does that not give you a very prim kind of stance? This prim shape, though. Prim. As in, you're sitting up and you're almost arching your middle of your back forward a little bit, and you look like you're, you look like you're, typing out something for someone. I don't know what it does. I have found is that it makes people more engaged in a meeting because they're like leaning in, whereas sometimes you go in and everyone just like slouches back in the got chair. It. They're mm-hmm. every, like you slouch, everyone mm-hmm. else slouches, mm-hmm. and suddenly you've got like a couch. So you just conversation. give people stools. <laughs> Well, I mean, I only have, I have Yours one. I haven't okay. rolled it out everywhere else yet, but right. I'm, I, I said that I was going to do it all the way through Christmas first before mm-hmm. I like started to take the backs and sides off other chairs. But mm-hmm. uh, yeah, don't tell anyone. But yeah, first week back, I'm going to take the backs off some more chairs. Okay. So push-ups <laughs> and stools, folks. That's uh, that's your, your health tip uh, on the Big Tech Show. Ushin Hanrahan, um, co-founder, chief executive of Handy.com. Thank you so much for coming in. Hope you'll drop by again soon. The very best of luck um, with the service and your transition into uh, more services uh, in the US, UK, and Canada. For our part, you'll hear us again uh, this day next week. Do remember to hit the subscribe button on iTunes, SoundCloud, or whatever app podcast uh, you use you can also listen to us on independent.ie forward slash podcast from me adrian weckler thanks and have a good one